be here and a great privilege. And obviously we found out uh, about the news that you were bearing as a church community on, on Monday and we chatted a little bit and um, decided that um, I wouldn't preach what I was going to preach originally and change what I was going to bring because I think it's totally appropriate to do so in a context like this and really trusting and praying God will speak to us um, in the light of all that's been going on for you as a community throughout this week. I do want to say a massive thank you to you as a church community for all your love, help, and support for what we're doing as a family of churches, New Ground, which you've been a part of for quite some time now. It was fantastic to see many, many of you at Ashburnham. Uh, when we were praying for people at the front of the meeting, every other person I prayed for was from Hope Church, Seven Oaks. I have no idea. You're obviously very hungry and thirsty for God. And uh, also, although I'm slightly at a distance, um, um, with uh, Paul Mann and, and Dale Barlow, who are working behind the scenes more than you would see them, um, it's been just a thrill to track all that God has done amongst you, particularly over these last two or three years. It's an amazing thing. To have 41 guests on Alpha has got to be a sign of something remarkable happening amongst you as a church community, which is just wonderful. Amen. Um, I want to talk about a subject, about a description of God um, that I think is very apt for what you've been experiencing throughout this week. Um, God has many names, and many of those names characterize something about who he is and the way we can experience them. One of them is uh, the fact that, that, he, that we live and serve the God who carries us. It's rather unusual to think of God carrying us. You wouldn't think particularly that was one of his attributes, but it's amazing when you study scripture about how many references, you're going to get a whole load of them in a moment, how many references there are to this description of God, the God who carries us. He's a God who sustains us. He's a God who provides for us. He's a God who keeps us and holds us, and he never ever lets us go. And one of the most main reasons for that is this. He is a living God. He breathes, he lives, he heals, he touches. And one of the things he does, obviously, is he has the power and authority to carry us through all of our lives and to carry us through everything that life brings to us. He never drops us. There's never a moment when he stops carrying you even though sometimes you feel that he doesn't, he still doesn't stop. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 31. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. I've already heard that phrase once this morning. Just as he did in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. Where you have seen the Lord your God carried you. As a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. God carries us all the way through our lives as a man carries his son. Isaiah 46 verse 3. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. Which for people like Adam and me is really, really good news. 
Isaiah 63, verse 9. This is interesting. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. One other scripture, Psalm 28, verse 8. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Do you know I could go on and on? There's just so many verses and references to the God who carries us. And this strange thing happens in particularly the Old Testament that God compares himself, the God who carries us, to idols. And it's a strange thing. You track it through the Old Testament. God mocks people and he mocks their idols. And one of the reasons he mocks people's idols that they create themselves is you have to carry them because they don't have any life. Uh, they don't have any ability to carry you. You have to carry them. So you come to passages like, this is hilarious, Jer- Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 3. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hand of the craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. There are other verses that say, make sure you nail it down lest it totter. It's kind of like God's mocking people. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. and They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. See, we all have idols, and they're lifeless. They don't give you anything. We have to carry them. No one gets to carry God. He doesn't need us to carry him. And I know this is a bit of a strange part of the Old Testament. None of us really grasp when Uzzah reaches out to touch the Ark of the Lord because it's about to fall. And it's a bit of a frustrating uh, verse, you know, because then the Lord kills him because he tries to reach out. We don't know what would have happened if he hadn't. But I think there's a little hint as to what was going on here. God was saying, you don't carry me. You don't get to carry me. God's a supernatural God. He doesn't need us to carry him. It says in Deuteronomy 33, verse 27, these wonderful words, the eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. These are lots of scriptures. Do you know that when you go through things like we're going through this week, this is deliberate. Root yourself in the word of God. When you don't know things, go to what you do know. These are the things that we do know, even when we don't understand things. And I love this. Underneath, there are the everlasting arms. Underneath you. Right now. I love the word everlasting, don't you? (laughs) Psalm 90 says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Jeremiah 31 says, we have been loved with an everlasting love. Look at this from Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. 
He did not grow faint. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. This God who holds us with everlasting arms and carries us throughout the whole of our lives. Have you not heard he's an everlasting God? So I have four children, and when they were younger, we'd be up in the Lake District walking around. Sooner or later, when you're going up a particular slope, one of them, if not all four of them, are going to start moaning, whining, complaining. And this is even before they got to teenagers, which is even worse. Come on, you can make it, we can do it. And inevitably, in the end, because I'm a kind, kind father, I would lift one of them and I would begin to carry them. And these days, of course, you've got all kinds of equipment to help parents to carry their children on their shoulders and everything. It's wonderful. And that was okay to carry my child. But here's the problem. After a while, I would start to get tired and I would start to get weary to the extent that I could have dropped any one of the four of them I now have 13 grandchildren to cope with as well. And so when we're going on walks, the thought of having to carry that load is a bit of a dodgy one because actually I get tired, I might drop them. God never gets tired. He never drops us. He will carry us forever. So I want to share with you very quickly three areas where God carries us today. The first is this. He carries you You've already heard this morning of the intimate love and care and plan and all these wonderful songs that we've sung have reminded us of God's intimate knowledge of you and everything that happens in your life. Every day of your life is numbered. There is an appointed time to die. There's an appointed time to, to, to be born. Every part of our life, God never makes a mistake. He carries you. And I want to just add this as well. He also not only carries you, but he carries your family. Some of you have got members of your family that don't know Jesus. Some of you have got members of your family who once did and then they've backslidden. There's just something about when God carries you, he's kind of carrying everybody else in your family as well, which is great news. You know, your husband's not a Christian, so he's just carrying you, but he's kind of also tucking an arm around your husband, even though he doesn't believe in anything. And he won't go anywhere near Alpha courses. You carry, he carries you. And I love this. Philippians 1.6 says that Paul, Paul makes this, this, this great statement. He who began a good work in me will bring it to complete completion. We heard the scripture read to us from Hebrews just a moment in a worship. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega. He's the author of the race. He's the finisher of the race. This is an amazing truth. Even if a sparrow, I mean, sparrows are really boring I mean, there's nothing beautiful. They're not kingfishers, are they? There's nothing. Oh, my goodness, there's a sparrow. I haven't seen one of those for a long time. And, and, and they don't cost much. And Jesus says, you know, they don't cost much. If one sparrow falls to the ground, your heavenly Father knows about it. How much more does he know everything about your life? Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Whatever we face, whatever life throws at us, there is an intimacy and awareness of everything that goes on. He has never got caught out, and he always, always carries you. So the first thing is this. You need to know deep in your heart that God carries you. Even though things happen in your life that you don't understand, the perplexities and hardships and things you would not choose, none of these things stops God's power 
and authority to carry you. Paul said, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't really matter, you know, whatever happens through whoever, nothing's going to separate us. He's always got his everlasting arms around us. You are allowed to look excited about this. There are two challenges, real quickly, that, that, that I see in my own life with the fact that God carries me. The first is this. Will I let him? It's an interesting thing, isn't it? He says, I'm going to carry you. Some of us, and I know this in my own life, we prefer independence. You know, I always had a kid that didn't need to be carried, even though they were kind of crawling up Scarfell, you know, to get to the, no, 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 I can make it. Sometimes we're a bit like that in our lives too. We want to carry our own lives. We want God to interrupt us. We think that we can do it. Actually, some of us think it's weak to admit that we need God's help. I can carry this. And then what happens, you see, you get a self-imposed kind of uh, ability (laughs) that gets worse and worse. Then the next thing happens, you think you can carry that. And then the next thing happens and you can carry that. And then you start to get exhausted under the, under the weight of all these things. And God's saying, let me carry it. But you're going to say, no, no, I can do this. When I was a kid, I'm looking at the age of some of you. When I was a kid, there used to be a television program called Cracker Jack. No, no, you, some of you are looking, what on earth is he talking about? Some of you sadly do. There used to be this little competition. Do you remember when you could get prizes and you used to hold them and one prize came on top of another and on top of another until we always watch someone's going to fall. It's all going to come crumbling down. We're a bit like that. We kind of, one thing on top of another, we can carry all these things. And the result of it is we end up carrying burdens that we were never meant to carry. Some of us need to come to a place, God not only carries me, but we need to realize, and I can't carry myself. I can't do this anymore. One of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit is the helper. And one of the things that has come is to help to carry the load of our Christian lives. We can't even follow Jesus in our own strength. We can't pray in our own strength. We can't understand the word of God. We can't worship. We can't relate to Christians. We, can't, we just go on and on and on. None of these things can we do in our own strength. So he gives us the helper who carries us <coughs> to do all of these things. He's kind of saying, let me carry your life. So we have scriptures like Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. It's interesting, in Psalm 68, he just says, he bears our burdens daily. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. He does carry us, but some of us here today are still carrying our own lives. It's time to give it over. It's time to give our burdens to the one who can sustain us. His shoulders are much better than your shoulders to carry burdens. The Bible says the government is upon his shoulders, not on yours. Let him carry you. Exchange your self-centered or self-ability to carry life. Because you just can't exchange it to him. Jesus said, come to me, all who are heavy burdened. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me and I will give you rest. It's just, oh, thank goodness. 
I don't have to carry everything in life around with me anymore because I've got a living God. The second challenge is this. Some of us just build lives that I would call safe. Your life is so kind of safe that you, you know everything that's going to happen from morning to night. And you very rarely experience the everlasting arms because your life is so separated from God, you don't really need Him. You don't really experience Him. And here's the problem. When tragedy happens, like we've been experiencing as a church this week, when perplexities, mysteries start to happen in our life, we realize that our safe, safe comfort zone that we have built is not enough. And I, might, I don't know if I'm right or wrong with this, but I just would advise you, don't build safety nets around your life. Kind of get out there. Do you know what I mean? It's not, you get out of the comfort zone and you need God more. And therefore you experience his everlasting arms. I think one of the frustrations of 21st century Southeast England Christian lifestyle I think I've covered almost everybody in the room, is that, is that we can build our lives so separate from God that when something wrong happens, our world falls apart. It's kind of like God's not like, you see, you've made God in your image. So when mysteries happen, we throw everything out and can give up on God because I don't understand. The older I've got, the more I love mystery. <laughs> because I've, I've had to learn... I don't get to understand everything, and that's not a bad thing, because I am not God, he is God, and my trust, my faith has to be in him alone. Get out of the comfort zone. Again, those of you that have got small children or grandchildren, whatever, do you know that moment when they're on about that seventh or eighth step at home, and it's far too high, and they say, granddad, or they say, dad, catch! And it's some of them, I've got one or two that are just ridiculously out there. I mean, they're just, and before I've even turned up, they're flying through the air. I've got one grandchild, how old's James? Five? There's a lamppost outside of the house where he lives. He goes up the lamppost. He takes his shoes off and he puts his feet and he goes right up the lamppost. And all the neighbors are going, what on earth is that child doing? <laughs> some of these kids are really adventurous and scary and they say, jump. You say, you, you, they say, catch granddad. Or sometimes we'll say to a child, jump. They will, can I? Some of them are a bit more nervous. Can I really? Will granddad, will, will he, you know, will he catch me? This is the world that we should live in as children of God. We have a father who will always catch us. When we go too high and we shouldn't be there, and the only way down is to jump, his arms are there, hallelujah, to take us. So he carries you and he carries your family. Believe God for that. Secondly, he carries his church. Jesus is the head of the body, his church, his people. And because he's the head, he's the one who carries Hope Church as a community through everything that happens, even when we don't understand what's going on. Let, let me read these wonderful verses, Colossians 1.15. Talking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. 
and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The moment God stops carrying the local church, the whole thing will begin to fall apart. If Jesus was to walk away from the church that he was building, it doesn't matter how gifted, how many elders, how talented, how much momentum you've got, you won't last. It's one of the reasons there are church buildings that are empty. Because Jesus is no longer building that community, sadly. He carries his church and he never gives up on his church. For if he did, it would all fall apart. Five years ago, I handed the church that I was leading over to a guy who's 31, so he's now 36, and fundamentally was handing over to a new generation of people. Our church has doubled in size since I did that, which is why my congregation said, why on earth didn't you do it earlier? It's obvious. <laughs> so it's doubled in size. It's totally pumping. It's amazing. But here's the deal. I didn't really hand it over to him because I never had it in the first place. I didn't build this. I wasn't carrying this. He's not. He and, and the new generation are not carrying it. Because the deal is this, only Jesus is the one who can carry his church through everything that's happening. And he's the only one that can fulfill the promises that he has made concerning his people in the earth today. Your church isn't being carried by your elders. Some of you might be slightly disappointed in that. Some of you won't be. This isn't run by your small group leaders or your administrators. They come and go. Have you noticed? They're not round forever. None of us are. But Jesus, he will continue to carry it long after we have gone. And therefore our trust and our investment should be totally towards him. I just love this passage of scripture um, in Hebrews chapter 10. Um, in verse 11, it's talking about, it's a bit strange, but it's talking about priests in the Old Covenant and Jesus is the high priest in the New Covenant. But it says in verse 11 of Hebrews 10, and every priest stands daily at his service. It's important that priests stood while they were doing it. It was significant of the fact that their job is not completed. So priests always stood because the sacrifices that were made were never complete in and of themselves. So you never sat down on the job. Because in Jewish understanding, to sit down means whatever you've come to do has finished and been accomplished forever. So they, they stood offering repeatedly the same sacrifices over and over, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, which was complete and enough, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. So Jesus is raised from the dead. He's ascended on high, and he's at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says he's now sat down. He's supposed to be building his church, and now you're telling me he's done everything. It is finished, he cried on the cross. He sat down. Is it like Jesus sat down and then says to Hope Church, okay, I've done my bit. 
All the best. Good luck. I hope to see you at the end. <coughs> see, there's a passive way to sit. Sometimes, if I'm in a situation which isn't particularly interesting, maybe some of you are like this right now as I'm preaching, one would fold one's arms and sit back with one legs kind of out like that, thinking, well, okay, well, let's see what he has got to say. It's a kind of passive involvement. There's another way to sit, and that's to sit in your seat, but be so engaged with what is going on that you're sitting down because that's the place of authority. This is what I think Jesus is doing, and leans into Hope Church constantly. Do you remember the 2012 Olympic Games when Mo Farah won two golds? I remember on one occasion sitting, watching him come round. I don't know if it's the 5,000 or 10,000 or both. I mean, he was almost the same. But one of the two, he came round. He still had about three or four guys around him. And he came round the bend and I thought, you know what, I think he could win this. I actually think he could. And so though I'm sitting, I was not sitting down watching Mo Farah. Hope he gets I was leaning into the screen. And as he came around the bend and he started to leave the other guys behind, I was going more and more. I was, my volume was increasing. And uh, I was going, Mo, come on, Mo, Mo, you can do this. I am convinced. And as he ran towards the line, I realized the entire British nation was lifting Mo Farah up in our arms and carrying him across the finishing line by our exuberant. He didn't win it. We won the gold <laughs> by just lifting him up and carrying him. It was kind of like there was no passivity at that moment. We weren't. You may have been sitting. Some of you may have been standing and by now and just shouting at the screen. Come on, you can do this. It's exactly what it's like with Jesus who sat down at the right hand of the Father. He's leaning into us. He's involved with Hope Church. And he is saying, come on. All the resources, all the power, everything I've given is all yours. Come on, go for it. So the Bible describes Jesus after the ascension. And it says he is interceding for us every day. He is filling us with the fullness of him who can fill everything in every way. He's the one who's saving and he's the one who's adding. You and I can't save anybody or add anyone. He's adding people to his church. He's uniting us when we get disunited. He's building the church. He's filling us with his spirit. He baptizes us with the spirit. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who sets us free. He's the one who answers prayer. He's the one who never gets caught out by things. Even though we do, he's the one who gets all the glory. We are his bride. And he carries us. I've snuck to the end of the book, by the way, which I know you're not supposed to do. And I found that the bride of Christ, the church, she's there at the end. She makes it. People in our country say the church is a dying relic, an institution. They have no idea. It's the bride of Christ, carried by Jesus, built by Jesus. He is going to have this. And, and this is only our perspective. We all know that all over the world, this is, you are part of the biggest movement that's ever happened on this planet right now. Billions of people who love Jesus and are looking to his coming again. I know for you as a church, some of you have been around sometimes, some of you have only recently been here, but this church has been through ups and downs. 
been through changes, as all churches do. It's been through the years, facing challenges and joys and breakthroughs and ups and downs. I really want to encourage you today to know that all the way through this, Jesus has been carrying you as a community. And he has an even more glorious future for us, not just in eternity, but here on earth. Why should we believe him for greater things? Why should we believe him that we have to meet in a building which needs to move out more that way and move out more that way and have more alpha courses and more meetings? Why? Because Jesus is the one who's building his church. And therefore, we should be filled with hope that he is the one who is carrying us. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. All you've got to do is ask the question, can he do this? I think the answer is yes. He's risen. He has all authority and all power. Will he do it? Yes, because he's faithful to everything he's ever promised. Therefore, I could say to you this morning, as this Jesus carries hope church, as some of us think, well, the church isn't what it should, should be. I wish the elders were a bit more gifted. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Every church has the same. To stand back a little bit and say, hang on a minute. There's something bigger going on here. This is a guaranteed success, 100%, because Jesus is going to do this. What an investment. If I was to say to you, here's an investment that's eternal. Two things go into eternity. You, Ruth, and the church. Because the bride of Christ is eternal. It's not just bound to this earth. It's fantastic. I often say to Christians who are spending all their time and energy and everything else pouring their lives in, a lot of these things are good, there's nothing wrong with them, but you do realize it's temporary. You do realize that. It's not, it's not going with you when you die. You do realize that's a really strange investment to spend all your life into every, every energy, everything of your life into something that's going to fade away. How's about investing in something of eternity? It's called the kingdom of God. How's about investing your time your energy, even your money into something that's going to go on forever. I just don't know. I just think it's a good investment. Thirdly and finally, he carries you and your family. He carries this church community. And thirdly, this is very topical. But I, I just wanted to finish with this. He carries this planet. Have you ever heard the word planet mentioned in the last few weeks? He actually carries this planet. So that scripture that I read to you earlier from Colossians chapter 1, I don't know if we can get that back up here, but just to go back to it, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, nations or empires, and blah, 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 blah. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The universe in which we live, including this planet, is held together by Jesus, the same one who's building his church. If Jesus walks away from this universe now, the whole thing will collapse. Because this planet and the galaxies and the multi-multi-trillion billion galaxies that there are, are all held together by God alone. So when I hear the phrase, we must save our planet. I think, really? 
this is really our planet. I want to say to people, so that did you create it? Do you remember Job at the end of his life when all sorts of things were going? 39 chapters or whatever is a constant complaint. And then God speaks. Were you there <laughs> when I created the heavens and the earth? Did you understand when I... And of course, Job suddenly gets the reality of what's going on. Look what it says in Psalm 24. We're nearly finished. Verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Scripture teaches us that only he holds and sustains this planet. That he is in control. He is not distant from this. He is actually carrying this planet. I believe totally he carries the nations of the world. So I even believe he carries this nation. So when Brexit causes, I've got to be careful, mustn't get too political. When Brexit causes anxiety and worry, and apparently it is doing at an alarming rate, and the future of the climate of the planet and all the rest of it, I need to remind myself that governments come and governments go and empires come and empires go and even things shift around the Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken but I then realize that if he didn't carry this nation and if he didn't carry this planet then it would all fall apart without him I don't know if you've got any atheists or People like that coming on Alpha. I love atheists. I love them. I love them so much. And one of the things I do with an atheist friend of mine is I'll sit down and I'll say, do you know, I'm so thrilled to talk to you as an atheist because, you know, the, the planets are all aligned up and the sun and the moon and everything. And if just one of them was out of kilter just a little bit, the whole thing would collapse. And then there's the galaxy, and there's the galaxies and the galaxies beyond that. And everything is intricately held together. And I'm so pleased to meet you because the fact that you know that is you then make this giant leap of faith. I'm amazed at people like you. What, what faith you exercise to turn around and say, it's all by chance and there is no God. It's amazing. Well done. You've got more faith than I have. I mean, it's just terrific. This world, this planet, is held together miraculously in the hands of God. So what do Christians do about climate change? I had discussions with intelligent grandchildren yesterday about the future of the planet and plastic and everything else. You know, if you're a doctor, a surgeon, whatever, and maybe someone is in pain, you try to heal them. Someone is dying. You do all you can to restore them and to give them life. That's what it's like on this planet. And we as Christians should be at the forefront of that. We're stewards of this planet. We should have that attitude that even though we know that the planet is dying, of course we should do all we could in order to sustain it and to make sure it's as good as it possibly could, could be. But... We have to understand that the Bible's very clear that this planet is actually groaning, it says. It's actually in the process 
of death. It doesn't stop you doing all you can like a doctor in order to do what you can. Very quickly, this is what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. I've got to finish, but it's, it's topical. <laughs> for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation, this planet, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The reason that our planet is vulnerable is because we don't own it. And we're not actually, it's not ours to own. It's God's and for his glory. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Our responsibility is to do all that we can, but we have to understand there's only one person carrying this planet. There's only one person carrying the nations of the world. He blows on the nation. It just disappears and another one rises up. He's the one who's got everything controlled when it comes to Brexit and all these other things. We're all confused. We don't know what's going to happen. But it's all groaning and it's dying. And do you know why? And this is the good news. Because there's a new heaven. And there's a new earth that is about to be formed. So the old must die that the new might come to fruition. One day it will end. But we should not be fearful or anxious. We should be turning people's attention to the creator. To an everlasting, eternal dimension. We're vapors. We're just breath. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Some of us live longer than others. But in reality, it's just a breath. And we're gone. So brothers and sisters... We today know a living God who carries us. He is carrying you and your family. He is carrying Hope Church through whatever's going to happen and has been happening this week. Do you know this week has been a painful week? He hasn't dropped you for one nanosecond. And he's watching what's going on today. He's actually watching some of the stuff that Adam says. Will we be a church that will even engage rightly in all of this? I think he's watching and he's thrilled. He's going, well done. And there'll be more to come and more uncertainties. But we know that he carries us as a community to greater and more wonderful things. And finally, he carries this planet. Shall we just stand together? I would love to pray. Love to ask the Holy Spirit. I presume you finish at half past. It's a magical moment for most churches. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray this morning for anybody here that doesn't yet know you, Jesus. I really want to pray that there will be people here today and this afternoon who will understand our lives are not our own. Been bought with a price through the blood of Jesus. And I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you, that they will take that step of faith and receive you. Life cannot be carried alone. But to reach out and be carried by the one who saves us 
from this passing world and generation. And then, Lord, I want to pray for any Christians here today who actually know that they carry their own lives pretty well, really, until something happens. It kind of falls apart. I want to ask, Lord, that there will be people here today, Christians, followers of Jesus, who say, I'm no longer going to carry my own life. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me that I've got burdens on my shoulders I should not carry. I'm carrying stuff that only you can carry. I really pray there are people here today who just do that today. To say, Lord, no longer. I give up. And you'll find the everlasting arms around about you. When it comes to Hope Church, I want to encourage you, invest don't hold back. Jesus is building this thing. Even if you've had past experiences of church that have let you down or disappointed you, you have to draw a line at some point and say, nevertheless, though those feelings are real, I once again trust that Jesus is building his church. We are the bride of Christ. He will do this. And then finally, I pray, Lord, let us live our lives not bound by this temporary planet, but actually with a greater goal of eternity set before us. Help us to make decisions and live our lives in the light of not the breath, the vapor, but in the light of eternity. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.